It's July 1st, 2020, and welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, uh, we'll have Na'alehu Anthony, who's here to tell us about the Aina Aloha Economic Futures and an upcoming plenary online session. And uh, then we'll be joined by Pat Sullivan from Oceanet, and we'll talk about COVID-19 testing and the uh, novel approach to scaling the testing process. And of course, now I want to welcome Na'alehu. He's a, he is a cinematographer. He's a tech geek and, of course, one of the organizers for the Aina Aloha Economic Futures, who's here to tell us about you know, this online session they got. Welcome to the show, Na'alehu. Yeah, aloha. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's great. And, uh, you know, I want to remind everybody that uh, Na'alehu and his team were the guys on the crew on uh, Hikiana Lea that was uh, traveling around the world with uh, Hokulea. And I think, you know, you, you definitely earned all those, uh, uh, you know, geek cred because you were the guy that was creating all the content, delivering all the content, making sure that, you know, Hikiana Lea was connected to, the, <laughs> to whatever network was out there in the middle of the ocean. That, that's amazing. Yeah, we were really fortunate. We had an awesome team and just some really committed individuals and, and they, you know, they all trained to be crew members too, right? So everybody who went along on the voyage, they were crew members as well. So we're really proud of that. No, and, you know, I think that, that really kind of exemplifies the uh, intersection between, you know, uh, Native Hawaiian culture and technology. I mean, you guys were, you know, you guys were living it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the idea that we're on these ancient canoes without even a compass, Mm-hmm. You know, and that these were the, the kind of the modern representation of what you would have found more than a thousand years ago, traversing the Pacific using only the the clues of nature that they had to sail thousands of miles. And then here we are, like, using some of the cutting-edge technology that exists today to help tell that story. The, the, the contrast is just amazing. No, I, I think that's a, that's a great testament, and it's, a, it's real world. It's not like textbook, right? I mean, it's real-world uh, experience. And I think, you, oh, yeah. you know, you and your team uh, are also taking this real-world experience uh, into Aina Aloha. And maybe give us a, a quick sort of rundown on what is Aina Aloha and, and what the organizers behind the uh, economic future for Hawaii, what do they envision? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real similar thing, actually, to the canoe story in that, you know, the, the values um, that we found uh, that we've had for many hundreds of years here in Hawaii are really born from how we are and how we act as a community. And, you know, as this, this COVID thing started to spin up, there are uh, a number of conversations happening, um, you know, in, in these various pockets. And, and what we, we found were that, you know, some of these conversations had a lot of overlap. And so on a long story short, 14 of us got together and kind of co-authored this declaration which is really just talking about the values that I think many of us in Hawaii have, um, things like aina aloha and, and just, you know, making sure that if our land is healthy, then, then we can be healthy. Um, and, you know, looking at leadership and the ways in which we use technology to, to really kind of uh, harness what we have and, and slingshot forward. And, and then also this idea of Ho'okipa, this idea that, you know, this is a destination for so many millions of people every year and that how do we, make sure we have the resources as a community to, to move forward. So in terms of the uh, declaration, you know, you said you had uh, some folks got together and they, they um, kind of brainstormed on the declaration, but there's, there's sort of an action plan too that's uh, evolving out of this. What is the, what is the process that, that uh, sort of informs that agenda? 
you know, it's it's a really interesting thing, you know, Bert, because most times when you start to talk about policy and you start to think about, you know, what's going to happen on the on the kind of the grand scale with respect to where a place like Hawaii is going, most people's eyes kind of glaze over and they say, okay, well, let the policymakers go figure out the policy. And and I think in this case, when we look and start to start to really think about what Hawaii is going to do next, we're at this crossroads. With this crossroads because of this um, this forced shutdown with respect to COVID and how it's um, it's amazing that we went from you know 10 million tourists a year to just a few hundred a day mm-hmm. and what the implications are for that across spectrum right across across the, you know the, the different economic drivers that we track and really what we realize is that you know not only do we have to embrace these values but we have to embrace our community in a way that allows us to really um, think about what we want to do next as a community. And so instead of it being just like policymakers making policy, we're going out to the community and we're talking to them through these various steps to see what kind of ideas they have and really embrace some of the mana'o, the, the, the experiences that they've had in these different sectors to try to make it better, to try to figure out what to do next. And so... After we did this declaration, uh, more than a thousand people signed on. Several hundred organizations have signed on, and and what we're doing at this next phase is really taking to um, you know technology, just like just like you do in your, your broadband hui and stuff like that, and and having a series of webinars and online meetings to bring people together to talk about what's next. And so this first kind of step in the in the what's next is um, we made this this rubric, this uh, economic futures assessment tool that's on our website at alohainafutures.com. And it's really um, used to take a look at what is or is not um, viable using these, these values. And as we do so, people have an opportunity to submit proposals to have us think about how this all fits together. And so starting July 8th, we're gonna do uh, an opening webinar um, for as many people as want to come in to think about and talk about how we're going to break into groups over the next month or so, to talk about like the kind of the real important pillars that are at the top of everyone's minds with respect to uh, the economic drivers and, and how we get back on our feet as a community. Yeah, no, that's great. And, you know, uh, you mentioned that Sometimes you, the the tendency is uh, you know let the policymakers uh, do their thing, but you know I think what has happened is that over the over the past until COVID nineteen hit, you know people were perhaps even getting a little disengaged with the the process of government, and I think uh, now everybody is kind of realizing that they they really need to get involved because in order for us to uh, sort of chart a course for Hawaii going into the future. Uh, we we all need to be involved, and I think uh, you know. I think what you guys are doing is great. How do you how do you see actually outreaching to the people that you want to have be involved? You know, the the interesting thing to me is, and I, I thought that was going to be kind of a real um, a real issue. Is like how do we reach mm-hmm. uh, you know a, a broad swath of people across spectrum? And it's interesting. I mean, you know, the the media's picked up on this. We've been. Um, you know, talking story at, at all these different levels, whether it's, you know, um, presenting to HTA and 
but even even to community groups. And what it's brought about is just kind of a real sense of awareness that people do need to be involved. And we've gotten hundreds upon hundreds of comments on on the website, and a lot of a lot more people have signed up as more press has gotten involved and and kind of taking a look at um, why this is important right now. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I gotta say it's been really positive. You know, people are thankful that that we're engaging this, and they're thankful for um, having a part in the voice. Mm-hmm. And you know, to be clear, right, we're not in charge of any large sum of money. We're not in charge of really any money. But what we're doing is we're reaffirming this idea that the values that we're stating in this declaration it's not it's not our values, like just our values. We didn't just make it up. These are things that have persisted in the community and a sentiment that has persisted across this community for a long, long time. And and really, I think what's resonating with people is this idea that, um, yes, these are our values. And yes, if we work together as a community, uh, we can figure it out together. No, that's 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 absolutely right. And I think, uh, you know, this process is is really bringing people together. And, and, and it is a shared, shared sense of value and uh, I think a shared vision of, of uh, what Hawaii could, could really become. Now, uh, in terms of the actual uh, online session, so you said that's uh, next week, and of course, you know, I'm I'm giving you the chance to let people know that it's at six o'clock, so they may have to choose between listening to Bite Marks Cafe and actually participating in Aina Aloha. So, but I I, I I'm totally into you know giving you guys the time, <laughs> and uh, uh, so where can people find out about you know where exactly can they sign up to participate in this? Yep. So I'm staring at the page right now. Okay. It's uh, AinaAlohaFutures.com. That's AinaAlohaFutures.com. And on um, on the third tab at the top are proposals. And in proposals, there's, there's a way to participate in the online sessions, and there's a register. Uh, there's a, a register button to add your name to. And this is and a, to, this is only uh, the first up. step in a process, right? Because this is you know you know it's not like just one one online session and you're done, right? It's kind of like an ongoing process. Yeah, so actually the one on the 8th is, is really looking at um, at setting up kind of what the expectations are. You know, to tell everybody like, oh, you know, we're, we're not here to tell you we're in charge of, you know, several hundred million dollars and mm-hmm. the proposal you give us will, will be funded. It's to, um, it's to look at kind of what the sentiment of the community is. And really, I mean, there are people who work in sectors who have had really, really good ideas for years and years. And so it's an opportunity to, to hear those ideas and think about how this community can come together and make a shift into um, whatever is next for us. Well, that sounds great, and I will definitely put that up on our show notes for later, and I'm going to participate uh, because I, I do know that the, you folks uh, do appreciate the connection between technology and and indigenous knowledge, and <clears throat> I, I do want to foster that, uh, that that connection. So, well, thanks, Na'alehu, for joining us. Uh, thank you so much, Bert, for making the time and uh, keep up the good work. We're really appreciative of all the stuff you do uh, with technology and, and just how hard you're working on behalf of all of us. So thank you. Well, thank you. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Pat Sullivan. And we're going to be talking about COVID-19 testing. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Health, Ulupono Initiative, and The Hub Coworking Hawaii. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe, and of course, I'm uh, happy to welcome Pat Sullivan. And of course, Pat is the founder and CEO of Oceanet, which uh, has been featured many times on uh, Bite Marks Cafe. And of course, uh, he's got a lot of stories to tell you, so we'll start off, and I'll welcome you, Pat, to Bite Marks Cafe. 
Aloha, Bert. Thanks for having me. Now, you know, I, I think it was just about maybe uh, maybe a little more than a month ago that I had you on, but uh, this is something interesting because it's a little different. When um, uh, Ian, you know, Ian Kitajima was telling me about uh, this actual shark tank that you folks uh, participated in to look at uh, maybe some novel ways of, of approaching COVID-19 testing, I thought, wow, I mean, that's pretty interesting that Oceanit could actually pivot to do something that is, you know, I would consider pretty technical and, and maybe, you know, initially I would have think, thought that that was kind of a divergence from some of the work that you've uh, previously done. But tell me, how did you, how did you actually kind of pivot to, to get your teams to look at uh, this sort of COVID-19 testing? So, Bert, that's a great question, and it kind of goes to the core of what we do at Oceanit. And um, I just for those that want to learn more about it, and I'll and I'll kind of review it at a high level. There's a book that just became available on Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, Apple, Kindle called "Intellectual Anarchy," and uh, I, that was a book I wrote over a couple year period, but it just got released. And I kind of talk about how we do this, and basically. We have a method where we think of what the world should be doing, and we start in advance. And it's kind of uncanny because the things we think about is where the world a lot of the time moves. And in this case, kind of going back in time, about six years ago, we started a new idea, basically, in artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And the, the thought was that big data and uh, deep learning and machine learning and all those things are are kind of running out of what they can really do effectively because you'll see that they're, the term that's used a lot is they're brittle, where you can have a, uh, it's like that happened with a couple of years back. So you have a, a, a car that's got an AI in it and it can drive autonomously because they program into it. If you see a guy in a bicycle, don't hit it. Or if you see a guy walking, don't hit it. But nobody thought about a guy walking with a bicycle, so they killed him accidentally, which is unfortunate. But that's what I mean by brittle. Mm -hmm. So we thought, what if we built an AI that deals with ambiguity, small data, what's called strong AI? And so we started doing that. And then about um, three years ago, we, we thought of applying it to this idea of genomics and to, if you consider, um, uh, for example, a, a, an American alphabet is 26 letters. We put letters together to make words. Words make sentences. Sentences have meaning. What if uh, genomics is actually a bunch of letters kind of cobbled together that have more meaning? We just can't read it. Mm-hmm. So we launched on this program with a group called DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. And they will fund things that are really out of the box and sometimes even out of the box and then some. So we we thought, why can't we do causality in biology? So why is it all random? Why is it only correlation? Like if you, you know, you get 100 guys and and they all smoke and drink, uh, you know, uh, a case of beer every day and they smoke cigarettes every day and one of them or two of them or five of them lives to be 105 years old Mm. and, you know, three or four of them die when they're 25 and, and you got a lot of stuff going on in the middle. 
we're thinking there's got to be a method to the madness. And you heard Einstein say God doesn't play dice with the universe. So we launched on this project, and it turns out we could mathematically um, decipher the code of certain simple molecules, RNA in particular. And we learned to do this thing called the inverse problem, which is if I need a molecule to do X, I can ask the AI, can you design me something? And so we thought, what if we applied that to COVID-19, which is not what we were working on. We were looking at cancer. We started looking at HIV. Mm-hmm. We actually had really good results. And uh, we thought, this is an amazing tool that will, in the future, change medicine. But when COVID-19 hit, we thought, okay, this is what we should do, because if we're going to make the world a better place, this is where we got to apply what we've learned even though it was a couple of years' worth of work, we thought if we could do it in a few months, take some chances, try some things. And uh, we've since been able to design a molecule, and it's uh, like a lock and key. It finds a a particular protein in the COVID-19, and it locks it, and then it raises its hand. And so then we thought, okay, we could try to build an antiviral, but there's a lot of human testing involved. But we thought, what if we do a test? Because if I can do a quick test and it's relatively inexpensive, now while we're developing a vaccine, we can test people all the time for cheap, identify people that are at risk, help them manage the risk, and really tamp down this whole thing. So over the last few months, that's what we've been focusing on. And uh, we've done collaboration with a bunch of people. University of Hawaii has been a great partner. And we have a molecule that really looks excellent. And now what we're doing is we're racing to see if we can roll out a test. Um, and this is where we enter with a conversation with the National Institutes of Health. Um, they had an open solicitation, uh, kind of a call for talent, like America has talent kind of thing. Uh, they had $1.5 billion dollars. And they said they're looking for things that are, you know, ideas to to deal with either antiviral, a vaccine, or a test. And we thought, let's try the test. Mm -hmm. So there were several thousand applicants. They kind of whittled it down to maybe 40 or so. And then we're kind of in that group. And we proposed to them uh, with this technology to do like a spit in a cup test. You spit. You put it in this little piece of plastic like a pregnancy kit, and you get a line that says you've got it or you don't. And we thought, what if we take schools and design it for an 8-year-old? So that's what we proposed and looks really good. Uh, Now the question is, can we go faster uh, to meet the August 1 deadline so you could test everybody getting off an airplane? Mm -hmm. No, no. uh, Pat, so what is the current current, – uh, design around testing for COVID-19, and how does your uh, test, uh, how does that differ from what is currently on the market? So the, the, the World Health Organization and the CDC came out with what's called a PCR test. And mm-hmm. It's a term, but what it does is it matches the sequence of the virus, and it takes a lot of time. Like you hear people say it's a couple, three they for they turn around if you can get it maybe cost two to five hundred dollars for a test but you're using a machine which we have here in the lab to match the sequence of the virus 
And when you match the sequence, you have a pretty good identification of the virus. So mm-hmm. it's highly sensitive and it's very specific. Mm-hmm. What we did was very different. We designed a molecule that would find a piece of protein that's on the virus, and it's unique to the virus. So it's only the protein it reacts to, and when it does, it attaches. And then what we do is we integrate that with some nanotechnology so that we can actually get a signal. So when it finds it, it makes a signal, and the more virus you got, the more signal you get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what we built. So. Like I was looking in the lab in, in the basement today where we're going through some of this. It's working really pretty well. Now the question is how do we scale? And to get a test for an 8-year-old is going to take time, but we thought, you know, if we could do a thing where you could just get everybody could do a test and get an answer in, you know, under five minutes, right. uh, that's highly, highly specific and sensitive, then you might have something. Right, because uh, one of the objectives is how do you – how to really test a lot of people because right now the current test, like you said, is going to take you still days, right? And to do the numbers, you know, you just don't have the time if you want to open the open like tourism back up. So you want a test that takes, exactly. you know, minutes, right? Instead of days. Exactly. And it shows there's a study that just came out. There's a, two, a bunch of authors, University of Colorado and Harvard, put teamed up for this and basically showed that the temporal part of testing, i.e., how fast you get a result, has everything to do with it being a useful test. So a test that you don't get for days at a time is not useful. Mm-hmm. It's better than nothing, but it's not going to stop an infection. So if you want to stop a community you know, community spread, that kind of thing, you've got to get an answer right away because time matters. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. what happens is the virus grows there's a curve, it's called mathematically, it's called a sigmoid, but it kind of looks, it's kind of flat, and it spikes up, and then it levels off. And by then, you're just spewing virus everywhere you go, mm-hmm. and it's super contagious, even if you don't have a symptom. And so that's the problem with this, is you can have a virus with no symptom, and unless you're testing it. So we figure, if you get everybody getting off an airplane, because an airplane, you're in a confined space, mm-hmm. and then you test them over a five-day period, and after that, your chances go way down because if it doesn't show up, you know, chances are you're probably going to be okay for a bit. You can test everybody working in the hotel. You can test everybody every day. It's only going to be a few bucks to test kind of thing. It's not going to be that expensive on mass, and you get an answer immediately. So we think that's how you really do this. So, so Pat, what, of testing. one of the things that you mentioned is that you could actually, you know, develop the test so that it's uh, testing saliva. And right now, every time they show somebody getting tested, you know, it's the, it's the uh, uh, getting the it's sample it's from your nostrils, annual, right? Yeah. yeah, and and yeah. you know they have to go pretty far in. So how do how do you accomplish this test with just the saliva? Well, that's a good question. So it turns out when you're picking the protein, we found that inside the actual virus itself, you crack it open like a fruit, you got all these little proteins, and the numbers actually go up three to four X. So that means it increases sensitivity. And it turns out there's a bunch of virus in spit. So when you kind of compare apples and apples, you know, in terms of the concentration of virus and the telltale proteins, there's plenty. When mm-hmm. you look at spit, mm-hmm. that's why we went with spit. See, there the the test, the first test is kind of like uh, it's not 
once a once a pandemic is roaring, it's the, the the PCR test is just too slow to be effective. And if you're going to manage a community, you need to get answers immediately so people can make a decision on whether you're at risk, if you need to be isolated. Once you do that, you can knock the numbers way down. And that's honestly the way it's looking. And there's some good papers out now that kind of speak to that issue. Now, Time Pat, Pat you know the uh, you know this is such an uh, engaging conversation that uh, you know the time is sort of running out. But you know, tell me a little bit about the Shark Tank process that you have to go through. So yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. So they've got a group of uh, they're kind of like a coaching panel, and they've got um, an expert from the business sector, an expert from the science side. They've got a bunch of kind of younger, kind of startup-ish kind of young people that are trying to look at the business case. Like in our case, it's not just can you do it, but what's your plan to get to a million tests a day Mm -hmm. production? Mm -hmm. Because that's what they want. Mm -hmm. That's that's like table stakes. If you can't do a million tests a day, then you don't need to talk any further. So we put together a plan to do just that. Um, it's interesting because the, the Harvard study that came out said you need between 5 to 20 million tests a day just to open up the U.S. So we thought, okay, we can do a million tests a day, but, you know, we've got to build up essentially a little mini factory to do it, and we laid out a whole plan to do just that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you know, most of the manufacturing for this kind of stuff has been offshore to the U.S., so we, we found some good partners um, in parts of the mainland, and we came up with with a plan on how to build this. But obviously, it's a stretch. But you know, you look at the global economy for travel and tourism, right? Ten percent of global GDP, mm-hmm. three hundred million jobs, huge impact for Hawaii. It's a big deal. So we think this could make a big difference. So, in terms of uh, the the uh, selection process, I know you guys got to the forty. When are they going to announce the next round for for uh, the competition? Well, you know, it's it's a, another good question. Uh, we're waiting for the next round. So, what we had heard informally was that we got the upcheck, and it goes up the chain, and then it gets voted or basically authorized by senior management. Mm-hmm. So, the White House is making a taking a a big uh, interest in this because part of the messaging from the president is around either testing or vaccine or that kind of thing. So what you if you read between the lines on some of the announcements coming out like Moderna and some of these other companies, um, there's a lot of funding to get things done, but they want a very aggressive schedule. Yeah. So yeah. The, yeah, we're waiting for that decision, but the team and everybody uh, thought it was pretty awesome and all and voted up. But there's a multi-step process, so we're still waiting to hear back on that. So, that so, so, step. Pat, uh, you know, in terms of uh, we only got one min- one minute, so you got to be fast. Uh, how does this uh, play into Hawaii's future? Well, there's a whole bunch of ways, not just opening the economy, but I think it's really important we step back and look at what we can do within our community to make a difference. Instead of being a victim, we need to kind of support each other to kind of build a future, a diverse economy based on education and imagination on what's possible. No shortage of talent or drive. We see people working really hard to do the impossible all the time. So I think if we can get people to believe in Hawaii, especially the policymakers, we could build a future not just dependent on tourism, but a more diverse economy creating opportunities for lots of people. That's uh, that's great. That's great words of wisdom. And I'll uh, put the link to OceanNet 
up on the uh, website tonight and of course a uh, link to the uh, um, your new book and I just definitely want to get people to pick that up Pat Sullivan is the founder and CEO of Oceanit and of course I want to thank you Pat for joining us today well thank you Bert this is awesome and I appreciate all you're doing and and you know really trying to get the word out in the community on on why tech matters too thanks and of course thank you for listening to bite Mars cafe join us next week when we will talk about the role of the data center in delivering your internet content. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR1 every Wednesday on, uh, of course, on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Bite Marks Cafe.